great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills fans? Welcome into another episode of Shout, a a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Topps Friendly Markets. Now through October 28th, every time you use your Topps Bonus Plus card to purchase participating brands like Pepsi, Campbell's, Smithfield, and so many more, you're automatically entered for a chance to win hot prizes to elevate your food game. You might also win a jersey every time Buffalo scores a touchdown. For complete details, visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone and Man, we're creeping up on Monday Night Football here. Uh, we're taping this with my uh, uh, my my new friend and, and kind of like a an acquaintance through uh, back when you worked with uh, Mike Hay back at back at NJ right dot com. Uh, yeah. The good old days, Zach Rosenblatt. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm re- I'm ready for the the season to get here. As you know, at these with training camp in the off season, it's just by the end of training camp, you're like asking all the same questions, and it's over and over again just thinking talking about what the team could be and i'm just ready to like actually see some football and and especially with this jets team which i'm sure we're going to get into it but obviously i had a lot of attention on this team and so many ridiculous storylines and things that have already happened i just want i just want to cover football so right it's like we 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 have all of this time like that we spend and dive into every little bitty storyline that we can find and it's like you get to this point it's like man We've talked so much about these teams and they have not even played a single down of meaningful football. So like, what is the vibe around things? Like take us inside, you know, today, uh, I believe was the first media day. What was the vibe in the locker room? Like how, how would you say the jets are approaching not only this big game, but this like national stage when it's, it's supposed to be their coming out party. The vibe in the locker room is, I would say, is that there was more media than players in there today because Aaron Rodgers was talking. So um, it was an unusual day. I mean, I guess I guess I'll have to get used to that. Uh, that's kind of a new thing because we just got into the locker room last week, obviously. But, um, but yeah, you know, the vibe in general around this team, like the Jets have been a product of ridicule around the league this whole offseason because of the way they've been talking about how they believe themselves to be Super Bowl contenders, how the fan base is celebrating them all the Aaron Rodgers stuff. I think people from outside of, and, and honestly, you, you might understand just from being in the AFC East, like the Jets have been at, have been bad for a long time. They haven't had a good quarterback for a long time. Like they've been miserable. So like, I, while I get that maybe it's not the best idea to talk about winning a Super Bowl in, in May or whatever, I also think that, you know, Jets fans should get to enjoy this a little bit because they haven't gone into a season with this much optimism I don't know, as long as I can remember, like maybe since one, like going into that second year when with Sanchez, when they made the AFC championship, but they didn't have a good quarterback. Like mm-hmm. So like this is new territory for everybody. And so they're all very excited, maybe too excited. Um, and I think in, in the building, everybody is amped up. Everybody is talking about things like, you know, you had DJ Reed the other day comparing the defense to the 85 bears. You got CJ Uzama going on TV saying that we expect to win the Super Bowl, like things that, you know, some coaches would frown upon, but they've kind of embraced it because for the longest time they were the same old jets. And now they're, they're trying to like shed that label and having Aaron Rodgers in the building obviously does a lot for that. But um, yeah, I'd say the vibes are all positive, but 
you know, and as I'm sure we're about to get into, if it goes poorly on Monday, like the vibes are going to get very sour very quickly. So I'm, I'm interested to know about like the culture that Rob Salas set there, because like you saw like pieces of it in, in hard knocks. I mean, it seems like they have a very like player oriented vibe, yeah. similar in a lot of ways for his like hardcore as he can be Sean McDermott. He is a very player friendly coach. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel like he set the culture there, but also has set it up to let Aaron come in and kind of reshape it in, in his, the way that he likes it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to Salah's credit, you know, I, I think they're, they'll, they probably are and will get maybe some criticism for how much they've kind of handed the keys of the organization over to Rogers, but also Salah since he first got to New York has talked about wanting to build up the culture to such a degree that he could let the players kind of run things like he, so they could, you know, hold each other accountable. And they, they've really built a solid, like remove Aaron Rodgers from the equation. Like they, they really built a really good locker room of guys with good heads on their shoulders who all think the right way. Um, you know, you hear them t- talking very confidently, but that's because everybody in that locker room believes in each other. Connor McGovern, their center the other day said that Joe Douglas did a great job of getting all of the bad apples out of the locker room. Like it, it's just mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of really mature guys in there. You have CJ Mosley, who's more of a lead by example guy, but he, he's a guy that everybody, when he speaks, everybody listens. And, and so Sala to his credit, has really just like, he's built up the culture side of things in a, in a really impressive way. And, you know, I, I think he, he's been more of like a CEO coach than I would have expected. Like he's, he doesn't really, he kind of lets his assistant coaches run things too. And he kind of is like at the top overseeing things, makes the big decisions, things like that. Um, and is involved and has his hands on a little bit of everything, but he lets, you know, he lets Nathaniel Hacker run the offense. He lets Jeff Oldberg run the defense. He lets Brant Boyer run the special teams and he's letting the players kind of run things too. And Aaron Rodgers is as much involved with this team as, you know, almost he is really. So I, I think Salah does deserve credit for that, whether it works and, you know, handing over the organization to one person has failed for some teams. It's succeeded for others. Um, that'll be something to see, but yeah, I think, a big reason why Aaron Rodgers is here today is because of the culture Robert Sala built. And that's a fact. Interesting. Um, you know, when great quarterbacks go, you know, evolve with their own teams or you get great quarterbacks, like everything about what they do gets put under this intense microscope. I mean, just in Buffalo this offseason, the the Stefan Diggs drama has been mm-hmm. something just really intriguing to follow and cover me personally, just how it's all kind of led them to this point, the summer and the importance of them kind of getting on the same page. It seems like Rogers, again, from watching hard knocks, watching the interviews, I read the the piece that you put out, uh, uh, I think it was last week when he kind of dove into some quotes uh, from, from an Aaron Rodgers presser. It seems like he's so settled there. And do you feel like that? How important is that for the success on the field that it seems like he's fit in so quickly? Cause that was one of the things like, it's a tough first part of their schedule. So one of the thought pro- thoughts I had was, what if things don't go well early in the season? How do they handle that with, you know, the New York media market, like the new setting? But it seems like he's so comfortable at the same time. Yeah, he he really is. And y- you can see that every time, even just being in the locker room, hearing him talk. I think a part, a big part of that is they brought in a lot of the people that he's most comfortable around, Nathaniel Hackett, Randall Cobb. Alan Lazard, Billy Turner, um, even Adrian Amos, the safety. Like these are all guys he was comfortable with anyway. And then you add that into the mix. The Jets have all these young guys, and he's really bonded with them. Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, 
Brees Hall. Like he's really developed close bonds with these guys. And, you know, I think the most interesting thing is, you know, Rogers had a reputation at the end of his time in Green Bay for lacking some patience, I think. And, you know, there's all the stuff with the hand signals and now young receivers had a hard time with him. Guys like Lazard and Cobb in particular, I've really made a point to say that he's he's been a lot more patient in New York. He knows that he has to take it slower because this is an entirely new group. And so I think he's really embraced both holding everybody accountable while also like putting his arm around guys. And, you know, he, his whole thing is that he tries to eat lunch with somebody new every day. He's taking guys like Zach Wilson and Mekhi Becton under his wing. And so it, it's just like such a positive, warm atmosphere they try to build. And, you know, whether that works and that leads to any wins, we'll see. You know, the coaching staff that, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, he's known for that, too. He, I know he was in Buffalo, too, and he he probably had the reputation back then, too. Just the way he, he's a people person and the way he connects with people. Um, it's very positive reinforcement, whereas I think Michael Floor, their previous off- offensive coordinator, was kind of like the same to everybody. And he was more about, like, the football side of things and the personal side of things, which, you know, teach their own. I, but um, I, I just think the, the vibes right now is just everybody's kind of flown in the same direction and – Again, we'll see if things go poorly on Monday night, how quickly that changes. But um, there's no reason to believe from what I've seen that this team isn't going to stay together. I'm not going to judge Nathaniel Hackett too much for the gold member stuff uh, that we saw <laughs> in the hard knock show. Uh, that was a little bit weird. But listen, to each their own. Everybody likes what they like. And so, like, yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a strange guy. That's for sure. <laughs> that's funny. So um, I want to talk offensively outside of Rogers. Two things real quick and then flip it over to the defense. Delvin Cook, you know, all systems go here, it seems. Like, I'd imagine we're going to see uh, a heavy dose of him on Monday. What are realistic expectations for him coming off the injury, his place with the team only being there for, what is it, less than a month? Like, what what are the expectations, and are there any concerns about leaning on a guy that's been there for such a short amount of time, or is it like, okay, he's been in the league, he'll be fine? I... I do lean towards that side of things that it'll be fine, but I don't know that they really have a much better option than to lean on him. And I, I, I do get the sense that he's adjusted pretty quickly. I think he's a really smart player. Um, he seems to be physically ready to go. The flip side of that is, you know, you have Brees Hall who also didn't really practice in team drills until the end of camp. He hasn't been hit since he tore his ACL last year. These are the two guys that are going to be leaving their backfield. And, and, and so I think cook is probably more ready right now to be like a, to have a full workload, then I, I would say Brees is just be, by virtue of coming off an ACL and that happening, it happened last October, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, it's not, it hasn't even been a year yet. And the running backs, as you know, often take two years to get back to form. So I, I think they are going to lean on Dalvin Cook. They gave him the money, they gave him the sort of money that indicates he's going to have a pretty big role. I'm, I'm very curious to see how that rotation plays out because they do view Brees Hall as the guy, but. Um, for now, I think Dalvin Cook probably will lead this team in carries in week one, I would say. Okay. And then offensive line. Uh, I'd like to know a little bit about Makai Becton's summer, how he's looked. And also, if you had to say, like, one player on that offensive line that maybe is the biggest concern heading into this game. Like, listen, Bob Miller's not going to play, but I do think the Bills have built some pretty decent depth on their defensive line. They're healthy. They expect Jordan Phillips and Daquan um, Jones to be uh, healthy, which they weren't from uh, you know at the end of last season. Where do you feel like there might be a concern on this offensive line? Honestly, it starts and ends at the beginning of your question, and that's with Makai Becton. Um, to, to the beginning part of your question, like he, he had a wild summer 
if you just trace it back to, you know, after minicamp when he didn't practice, he did an interview with Newsday where he, he trashed the coaching staff, um, blamed them for like his injury happening because they made him play right tackle last year, saying that he's only a left tackle. I think he kind of pulled back and he, I think he's matured a lot since then, which is why it's been such a wild journey. By the time he got to training camp, he was starting to say the right things. I think he was slower to ease back into things than even the Jets coaches thought um, coming off his knee injury. You know, he's only played one game the last two years. And, you know, he pulled himself out of the Hall of Fame game because he wasn't feeling great. And at that point, I, I think a lot of people internally and externally were wondering if he was even going to be like if they would try and trade him or what they were going to do with him. But, you know, he got his act together. I think Aaron Rodgers really took him under his wing to a degree and kind of like, you know, showed him some love, which I think is what he's what he's desired. He's the kind of guy that I think, you know, as Roger says, some guys need to be hugged every day. Some guys are better when you, you know, you criticize and yell at them. And I think Makai um, has, has kind of like grown to like this coaching staff more than the previous offensive staff. And so, you know, by the end of camp, the guys that were ahead of him on the depth chart at right tackle were a disaster. And so even if they didn't want to play Makai, they kind of had to because you, you, they threw him out in that Panthers game in the preseason and he, he, and he dominated against the backups and, then he did the same thing again um, against the Giants, and so they locked him into a starting job. And so he he has the highest ceiling of any of their offensive linemen, but he probably also has the lowest floor just because of the lack of experience. He's never really played right tackle. Um, he hasn't played in an NFL game since week one of 2021. Um, and in his rookie season, he was banged up too. So he is still a raw prospect. And so I, I would say if I'm most concerned about anybody, it would be him, you know, because you have Dwayne Brown on the left side. He, didn't practice much in camp, but I don't think you really worry about a veteran like that. Connor McGovern's solid in the middle. Elijah Vera Tucker is a Pro Bowl caliber guy. Lincoln Tomlinson they trust. So I, I think Makai is the biggest X factor, both in a good and bad way. Very cool. Um, if you want to become a Shout Buffalo Bills text insider, you can text 716-528-6727 right now. You get a two-week free trial. And the Shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litra, located at 237 Main Street in Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give him a call at 716-852-1234 or check out litralaw.com. All right, let's flip it over to defense here, Zach. And I, I realized at the at the beginning of the show, uh, I mentioned your time at NJ.com. You now cover the Jets for the uh, the Athletic and doing a tremendous job. I was actually want to give you some flowers. I was shooting the breeze with Matthew Fairburn, uh, who's now covering the Sabers for the Athletic, but he's pitching in on, on the Bills with uh, Joe Biscaglia. Uh, you know, get away while he has his uh, little one. Um, and he just sung your praises, man. He just, oh, uh, no. he has a ton of respect for him. I thought I'd, I'd pass that along. Um, but I, I want to ask you about the defense from like, this is the identity or has been the identity of their team. Right. And we know about the two matchups against the bills last year. I thought they did as well as anybody against Josh Allen in this offense. What makes it kind of run? Like, where do you feel like if you were to pinpoint some advantages they have against this bills unit, where do you kind of start? I start up front with their defense all the time. And I think that's kind of where they're, they start. And, you know, they've, since Salah has gotten there in Ulbrich, um, they've installed just, just this very attack style on their defensive line where they just want, they just want their defense lineman to go, go, go. They don't really want guys necessarily eating up blocks. They just want them to go. And now the talent has matched up with like their desire where this is, I think one of the deepest defensive lines in the NFL. 
Um, you have Quinton Williams, who was arguably the best defensive tackle in the league last year. They signed Al Woods and Quentin Jefferson, two veterans, just solid guys that are going to rotate in there. And then on, on the outside, they got Carl Lawson coming back. He's completely healthy. Jermaine Johnson, who they picked in the first round and in, in training camp, he looked like a star. They drafted Will McDonald in the first round, and he looked absolutely incredible in camp. Just in terms of the pass rush, he, he's not really going to plan rundowns. Bryce Huff is the most efficient pass rusher in the NFL in terms of his get off and and how you know how he gets to the quarterback when he's out there essentially. So they just have this ridiculous rotation of guys. None of them need to play eighty percent of the snaps, and they just keep keep coming at you, keep coming at you, keep mm-hmm. coming at you. And if your offensive line is not ready for that, and I can't imagine a lot of offensive lines are, like that, that's going to be really hard to stop. And that kind of sets up the rest of the defense. Um, and and yeah, I I just think that that group is kind of where it all starts. And then you look at the back end; it kind of complements it very well. Where I think at corner, I think they've, if not the best top three, then one of the two or three best top three corners in the league. When you have Sauce Gardner, who I, as you know well, you're well aware of how good he was. DJ Reed kind of flew under the radar last year, but was one of the better second corners in the league, I think. And and Michael Carter the second is their slot corner, and he he's pretty underrated in my mind. So. They, they have the guys up front. They have, they have three corners they can kind of put on an island to a degree. And and then in the middle, that kind of lets the linebacker and safeties roam, along, roam around a little more. And, you know, maybe they're not as talented or deep in those spots, but I think everything around them, um, like it, they, the, the craziest thing about their defense last year is that they finished the top five and they were, they did not force turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, so in theory, if all they do is, do what they do last year, but actually get some of those turnovers. Like this is, could be the best defense in the league. I, I don't know that they'll get there. They had a lot of good luck with injuries and stuff like that. But yeah, to answer your, my long winded answer to your question, it, it starts up front um, with Quinnen and, and those defensive ends. And let's finish up here with kind of just your, you know, outlook here looking on across the season. You followed all the drama. We mentioned it at the top of the show. Like obviously the hard knocks has been what it's been. By the way, let me just little sidebar here. What was hard knocks like as a reporter? Like was 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 it just like in your face all the time like around training camp and like what was the experience like from a reporter standpoint? Well, in terms of covering episode to episode I hated it cuz it was 10 p.m. on a Tuesday, so I hated yeah. that part of it. But yeah, yeah it, it, it was fascinating being at practice cuz you'd see you know, eventually you, I kind of got like we kind of got used to it as reporters, but in the beginning it was jarring where you'd see like Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed talking on the sidelines, and you see the hard knocks guys come running over and poking their microphone in there. Mm. And I and I, I can't I just imagine that has to be so awkward where you're just trying to have a conversation with somebody and then they're running over and throwing a mic in between you. But um, you definitely you definitely could feel their presence there. Um, I wouldn't say it was necessarily distracting, but it, you could definitely see you know they were obviously following guys like Rogers and Quinnen and, you know, the defensive line, like you could see all of that happening. So it was kind of cool seeing that and then watching the show and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it was funny when, when they announced it, a lot of people in my life were like, Are, can't wait to see you on hard knocks. And and I don't, I don't think they showed the reporters a single time, which I'm completely <laughs> fine with, but it was just funny because everybody like some reporters are like all worried they were going to make them look bad. And I'm like, I bet you were not even going to be on the show guys. They have a lot yeah. of stuff to show. <laughs> that's awesome i was just thinking about that like yeah it probably changes the dynamic of just training camp and in the coverage in general just seeing that being around it all the time um afc east you know obviously all the hype around the jets is what it is how do you see this season playing out and and what do you expect you don't have to give a prediction but like what do you expect this game to be like like do you expect it to be like the games were a year ago where 
they're going to be low twenties, high teens. Like the offenses are going to, sh- you know, struggle at times. Or do you think this is going to maybe be what what it could be with two elite quarterbacks and offenses, and maybe a little bit of a firefight? It it honestly is hard to predict. Just because the Jets' offense has been very up and down in training camp. Really, this group hasn't been all together at once the entire training camp. Their entire offensive line didn't practice all together until like a week ago. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of new receivers, new system, guys learning Rodgers' hand signals, offensive line learning his cadence. Like, there's so many things up in the air with that offense that I do. The, the biggest question mark is just like, are they going to have growing pains at the beginning of the year? Are they going to have growing pains on Monday night? Or are they going to come out firing? Um, I do lean toward kind of what you were saying about it being like a dogfight with the defenses kind of leading the way. Um, like if I was going to predict right now, I'd, I'd say I wouldn't expect a high scoring game, but I also could see the opposite scenario where both offenses, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers airing it out. But that, that, that's why it's so hard for me to figure out how this stretch of the season is going to go for the Jets, just because if they come out and they won, then I think they're going to win the AFC. I'm going to, you're, you're going to ask me, if you ask me after week one, I'm going to probably predict they win the AFC East. But if they right. come out and look disjointed, you know, they have a really hard stretch to start the season. And so, um, that's why this is like, this is like more of a, this feels like one of the more important week one games, at least in ter- on the jet side of things that I can remember just because I think this AFC East is pretty stacked. All these games are going to matter. Uh, and so whoever wins this game is going to be in really, really good position the rest of the way. Like I, obviously this doesn't really, by the end of the season, it might not matter that much, but I, I, I just think there's a lot of, at stake for a week one game, which is fascinating to me. No, I think it's very well said. Um, thank you so much for taking some time tonight, man. This is really cool to, to check in before we get into this awesome NFL opening weekend and a, a crazy Monday night football game that I can't wait to cover. Um, let everybody know where they can find your work. Yeah, I'm at The Athletic, uh, writing about the Jets. I have a podcast called Can't Wait, and I'm on uh, Twitter at Zach Blatt, Z-A-C-K. My man, thanks so much. And let Tops do the cooking uh, for you, and you'll be the MVP. Perfect for game day or any day. Visit Tops Carryout C- Cafe for hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizzas. Only fifteen dollars. You can get jumbo chicken wings, ten count for the game, fourteen dollars, and so much more. Visit TopsMarkets.com/slash/redzone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. All right, he's Zach. I am Matt. Uh, I can't wait for uh, Monday night, man. It's 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 creeping up. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks, man.